What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating whether or not climate change is humanity's greatest threat and we are starting right now. With Stardust opening statement, thanks so much for being with us. Stardust, the floor is all yours. Hi, I'm Stardust. I stream on Twitch. I do politics and I do really silly conversations. And my opinion on this question, is climate change the greatest threat, is yes. No elaboration, just yes. So I'll throw it to CTV. You got it. Thank you very much. Want to let you know, folks, if it's your first time here, welcome to Modern Day Debate. We are a neutral platform hosting people from all walks of life, and we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. And our guests, both Stardust and CTV, are linked in the description. Highly encourage you, folks. If you haven't already, you can check out their links right now, and that includes at the Modern Day Debate podcast, where we put our guest links in the description as well. So with that, thanks so much. CTV, the floor is all yours. Well, good evening, everybody. I am critically thinking veteran. I served nine years on Ohio class submarines as a machinist made auxiliaryman. That's to say that I worked on diesel engines, hydraulics, pneumatics, refrigeration, basically anything mechanical that didn't have to do with the reactor my division owned it to include all of the firefighting and flooding and pestilence equipment. That said, with the current question at hand, is climate change humanity's greatest threat? Well, the obvious and clear answer is no, right? Obvious. We will get into the nuance, right, of why I think that uh, whenever the open floor discussion gets here and start us, if you like, I don't mind taking the lead in that one. Uh, but sure. but uh, when we get into that, I think that the the philosophical standard is going to be raised here on modern day debates simply by having minds such as CTV and Stardust here to explore this brand new topic. You got it. Well, thank you very much. And folks, want to let you know, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. We have many more juicy debates coming up. For example, this Friday, another new topic, as tonight's topic is new and also this Friday's topic is new, whether or not space is a NASA hoax. We'll get to the bottom of that one, but we will also jump into open conversation. So with that, thanks so much, Stardust and CTV. The floor is all yours for that open dialogue. 
All right, well, Stardust, obviously, humanity's greatest threat is humanity. Oh, that's a really good answer. Why do you say that? <laughs> well, I say that simply because humanity itself is what allows for the creation of civilization. It also allows for the destruction of ecosystems that, frankly, affect more of what humanity uh, has a need of to survive on this world than they than uh, uh, most of humanity actually realizes, right? And because of that, it leads to other things, Um such as, you know, creating internal combustion engines to put more CO2 into the atmosphere, which is not something that um, has had some of the greatest effects when it comes to uh, the overall, say, amount of CO2 that's actually in the atmosphere. Some of the things that have affected it more than most people would think is, say, like the reduction in the well population that has happened, Right. Whales serve a very purpose, a very uh, important purpose in the oceans, especially with regard to their size and the way that their behavior is structured to where they dive down deep and then they come up and they swim to the surface and they essentially mix the deeper waters in with the more shallow waters, which leads to more creation of plankton and, and things that smaller animals as well as the whales eat. Um, just as an example, right? So like climate change in and of itself, well, the climate's always changing and it's been changing for a while. Uh, you can look at average temperatures back during the 1300s to see that the world was cooler back then, which is where they even get the temperature change that they're measuring now, right? But the logical, short-sighted argument of industrialization leading to the climate change is very short-sighted in the way that it doesn't account for any of the other things um, that have happened as a result of civilization coming to fruition. So what are the other things that that you talk about that are, I guess, uh, this, you're saying this climate change is, um, it's a short-sighted view of these other things that it, it's, it's, um, that industrialization has contributed. So I would ask what are, what are those other things then? Other things such as, I mean, what are the arguments that you would have besides, say, like industrialization, right, and the burning of fossil fuels or, or uh, you know, cows farting in a field, right, creating methane gases, uh, which is, you know, cows farting in the field is, is a drop in the bucket next to the amount of methane is actually trapped in, in permafrost uh, up in, like, you know, the, the northern parts of the world, like, say, up in Alaska and stuff. Um, well, I would say that there is scientific consensus. It's something like 97% of uh, scientists agree that humans are causing global warming and climate change, which kind of goes into your answer, actually, when you said humanity is humanity's greatest threat. Um, and maybe you're right about that. Maybe it's humanity's contributions that are uh, are 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 basically creating this, right? I mean, it is. Um, but I do think that it's one of those detriments that is the most harmful to humanity. So. Do you think that what's the most? One more time. The, I'm sorry. I was, my chat was telling me that there was a problem with my mic. Uh, chat, let me know if my mic problem is fixed, but can you repeat that? Yeah. So uh, what I said is uh, your point about humans or humanity itself being humanity's greatest threat uh, really spoke to me because it is humanity that that has 
kind of accelerated this climate change. And nearly all scientists agree on climate change. There, you know, obviously there is some wiggle room, but it, it basically we we see it that uh, global warming, um, uh, our models at least for that have um, consistently underestimated how rapidly it would accelerate. Well, the reason why you you would even see any type of say increase would have to simply to do with the population of the planet, right? So, like. And that's assuming then that human beings are the greatest, um, say, player in the game when it comes to climate change. When in fact, the planet itself is has been regulating itself for way longer than human beings have been here. You know, there's a point like, what's? Can you answer me this? What's the default state of the planet? The default state of the planet uh, without us contributing to it? Well, what's, I mean, without, let's just, I mean, yeah, without human beings, it actually isn't. I mean, if you think about it, the the default state of the planet is is an ice cube, right? Because space is cold, right? You need something to create heat. So assume that the core stops, you know, rotating and creating the electromagnetic field that it does or having the heat in it that it does or that it stops being able to hold in the sun's energy rays from the ozone, right? The default state of the planet is cold, right? Um, I feel like the sun still has an effect despite, <laughs> despite uh, like humans not being around, right? Um, feel like, you know, the environment still has an effect, Um uh, maybe it's not as warm. Well, I mean, that, that right there, the, the reason why that you would argue CO2 is because it's putting a blanket of, you know, gases around the planet that is helping keep in, keep the sun's rays and the energy that the sun produces inside of the ozone, right? So the ozone is essentially right. a blanket around the planet that holds the heat in, right? Yeah. So like the mm-hmm. thicker the blanket, the more heat it holds in. Well, mm-hmm. assuming that there's nothing, none of that there, the default pl- state of the planet would, in fact, be cold because there's nothing there to produce the heat or nothing to um, hold in the heat, rather. Uh, I don't know. I think um, we we would probably still have a, a layer, just wouldn't be as, as thick, right? So, um, I mean... Yeah, we we probably do need something to hold in some heat, but um, but it, it's it's kind of overdoing that right now, right? I mean, it, it is like scientific consensus that ninety seven percent of scientists agree that humans are are causing global warming and climate change and causing the acceleration of it. So, I mean. Well, there's that. Look, I'm looking here, and I'll send you the link mm-hmm. in DM. Okay. Because I, I just looked up uh, something quick to kind of give us a, a baseline to work from. Okay. So here's the DM. It's from solarsystem.nasa.gov, right? Mm-hmm. So what you can see here is the average temperatures of the sun, the the planets 
right, in our solar system. And you can see, obviously, that the closer that they are to the sun, that the hotter that they are, right? But the further they get... Um, I'm sorry, where, where did you put this in the in the Skype chat or in... in uh... Discord DM. Oh, Discord DM, okay, all right. Yeah, sorry. That's my, my default's always set. <laughs> That's cool. All right, I'm opening it. Would you be able to throw that into the uh, Zoom chat? As well, that way I can pull it up on screen if other if the audience wants to see what you guys are talking about. Okay, are you looking at the uh, the scale, yeah. Stardust? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you can see you can see you know Venus is up there around um, eight hundred and seventy two degrees Fahrenheit. Mercury's at about eight oh eight oh three. Right, Earth is sitting there at about a temperate, what, 60 degrees, right? Mars mm-hmm. is now getting below zero, right, for the average temperature, and then Jupiter. And so, like, the sun definitely does play its part, right? Yeah. The point, the point here is, though, is that, like, the average temperature, if it's 60 degrees, right, that means that what I'm saying as far as the default state being cold is more true than the planet continuing to heat up past the point of no return. Because there will be a point where the planet itself does start to cool itself down, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. have you ever seen that movie, The Day After Tomorrow? I did not see that movie, no. It's a really, really good movie. And while it's a movie, right, and there's definitely, you know, it's a movie, take it with a grain of salt, right? There is a lot of truth to what was being said with regard to uh, the North Atlantic currents and other currents around the world, how they carry heat from the equator to the northern hemisphere, and that's what allows for more of the temperate climates we experience, right? So, so like, like another example would be like, what is the biggest filter of CO two here on Earth? Um, isn't it just like the the plants and well, the you, trees? That's what most people think is it's the plants yeah. and the trees, right? But in reality, it's actually the ocean. Oh, okay. The plankton. All of these processes that happen, they process the CO2 and then uh, takes it out of the atmosphere. So like, mm-hmm. so like when it comes to discussing the idea as a whole, it's really hard to put it all on humanity when humanity is only able to take advantage of the resources that we have, right? The very limited resources that we have at that. And that's Mm -hmm. where like humanity being humanity's greatest enemy in this regard is always going to ring true because it's not just the population. It's also like a lot of the media that people intake and a lot of the fear that gets put into people and scares them into doing things, right? So mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's a lot of ways in which humanity is its, is its own greatest enemy versus the, the climate and it changing, which is a natural process. Um, it, it certainly seems to be more of a fear-mongering technique than it actually is something that, um, say, is the greatest concern for humanity. Well, I think we can acknowledge that the climate naturally changes while still acknowledging that humans are playing a very large part in accelerating that, uh, like, faster than it, it would be 
on its own, right? Faster than it would be like if it were healthy, right? Like we we should probably work on on I guess re- like reducing that, slowing it down. <laughs> Where did all of the fossil fuels come from that we're burning today? Burning today. Um, I don't, um, I don't know. I didn't look at the news today. No, no, no. I'm just saying fossil fuels in general, right? Like where are they coming from? Where are we collecting this resource in order to be able to use it to create energy or to create Um, electricity? I mean, take, you know, use the energy that's, that's in the fossil fuel to be able to create electricity. Well, we're getting it from, um, from like the ground, right? Like, pretty much right like the um like fossil fuels like the the oil or whatever that we have in the ground so right and yeah. and all the all the oil and all the coal and stuff you know that specifically like a lot of the we'll just use the blanket term fossil fuels how did they get into the ground well isn't it from like um like things dying and stuff right well it, specifically an older earth had a lot more vegetation, right? Especially yeah. when, when trees were first starting to, to get um, ligament, I think is, is the, uh, the change in the plants that allowed for the, the growing of the trees. I think it's called ligament. Anyway, when that process started happening, what you ended up having as far as the forests are concerned is that the forest grew wildly out of control because... Ligma, maybe, uh, but the forest started growing out of control, right? And they just, you know, as the, the trees would die, they just fall over, right? So then, over you know, tens of thousands of years, right? These things cross and pile on each other, and then more weight gets distributed over them, and then like rains come and put dirt over them, and then like they, they get further pressed and compressed down into the ground, right? And still, the point where like the ground, which continues to say like. It's almost like a recycling process that the ground has, right? Something falls down on it eventually over, you know, many, many years, right? It will push itself back down into the ground. And then that's how you end up with the fossil fuels that we can find later, right? Mm-hmm. So all this carbon material was already created through natural processes and gets put into the ground to where we can then find it and, and collect it up and use it later. So all of the material... Right. Unless you believe that Einstein was wrong and matter can, can neither be created nor destroyed. Right. So then all of this material that was here before when the plants were created uh, that got put into the ground allowed for bigger animals such as the dinosaurs. Right. To be able to come to fruition because of the higher oxygen uh, content in the atmosphere at that time. Are you aware that like during the time of the dinosaurs that that uh, the typical 21% oxygen that we enjoy today was not typical then. It was actually 35% oxygen. That's what allowed for the dinosaurs to have, to get to the size that they were because there was a higher oxygen content in the air. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm not really sure how that has to do with like why we should, why we shouldn't be like being, why we shouldn't be taking proactive measures, right? Because it, even if the if you say that this is like uh, climate change is natural, and maybe to a certain extent, maybe to a certain extent it is, but um, humanity is contributing to it 
scientists do agree on this and there are like real health effects on people for this, right? Um, like specifically children have real health effects due to the climate change, due to the accelerated climate change. They're like cognitive effects and, and physical effects. So we should be doing something because okay. that seems pretty, you know, that seems pretty important. Well, how committed are you to this idea? Uh, which idea? Oh, and this idea that we need to do something, right? So how yeah. commit, are, are you committed to like, let's do whatever we have to do, no matter what, to fix this problem? Or are there measured steps that you think are more appropriate? I mean, I think that, uh, I think that obviously we have to focus on, on multiple things at the same time. We can't, n- nobody, no, we can't convince the entire world to like um, drop everything and focus on climate change. But I think it's it is worth um, focusing on from a public health perspective, right? Um, uh, the global disease burden of climate change, like it's like eighty eight percent falls on children under five years. I think that that's like pretty outstanding. Um, so I, I think that I think that we need to handle things from a from a a public health perspective, and I think that probably working to reduce emissions and working to get other countries on, on the same page as far as, as um, efforts to reduce this contributed um, pollution, I think that would be super important. Well, what makes it so outstanding? What do you mean outstanding? Well, you said that, 80, you know, kids under five, 88% for global, what was the word you used there? Global, the global disease burden of climate change falls on children under five years, right. 88% of it. Yeah. So, so why do you think that's outstanding? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that 88% is a large number, right? Well, I think diseases, that, I mean, what diseases are we talking about? Right. Because like I got a bunch of vaccines whenever I was growing up against diseases that aren't really an issue anymore because of vaccines. Right. So then like, a new human being coming into the world, not inherently immune to things, is obviously going to have a, a higher risk because they haven't gotten any type of immunity from that. And as soon as they do, then it stops becoming an issue, right? So, like, I, the first thing that I would be curious about as far as the statistic is concerned is, like, what are the diseases that they are ranking is among, like, what's supposed to to make this 88% something that is definitely yeah. related to climate change versus it just being a human being being born. Right. So, so, um, vector borne diseases, um, uh, so like things that are ca- carried by insects, uh, by ticks, by mosquitoes, um, respond quickly to changes in, um, temperature and moisture, which, um, increases their growth and duration. And so, um, so children are more likely to be exposed to these illnesses because they are outside more and they're around each other more and they are, so they're going to be at elevated risk of developing Lyme disease, um, uh, hantavirus, dengue fever. I had dengue fever once that was horrible. Um, uh, Zika virus. These are all things that are affected by climate change. Okay. That sounds more of a result of population density more than anything else, which is one of the things that actually started the 
a lot of the diseases uh, with regard to human beings was their close proximity to animals, especially when farming got started, you know, whenever they started uh, the agrarian agrarian shift from hunter-gatherer to being farmers, right? And they started having pigs and, and other, uh, other game around them is, is ultimately what kind of created more diseases for human beings. That said, though, <clears throat> it doesn't seem to me that I heard the justification needed to, to warrant the what, billions, trillions of tax dollars that are going to be created or collected here? And I still haven't even heard, like, a, a way forward. So, like, let me propose an idea. If we're so worried about these CO2 em emissions, right, then one of the first things that we would want to do is to get away from, say, burning so many fossil fuels, right? Mm -hmm. We want to get away from that, right? Nuclear power is a good way to do that. Geothermal, I wouldn't recommend uh, solar panels uh, on large scale. I love scale. nuclear power. I yeah, love yeah. nuclear power, yeah. So then, like, the other question then becomes is, like, how committed are you to the idea of nuclear power, right? Because what could happen, uh, and this would all have to include a bunch of governmental agencies getting together and pulling their heads out of their ass, which, you know, is kind of like, is that really going to happen? I doubt it. But... We get to the point where, like, the, the Sahara Desert used to be a very lush rainforest, right? 20,000 years ago, it was a rainforest. So then, like, would you be of a mind to, say, put nuclear reactors on the African continent that would both produce electricity and then bring in uh, water from the, from the ocean or from the Mediterranean Sea, distill it, and then pump millions of gallons of fresh water into that desert and actually turn it back into a rainforest? And you quickly oh. see, like, how big of a project that would become over an entire, like, continent, right? Yeah. yeah. The thing about nuclear power is that, yeah, it takes a long time, right, for it to be, uh, well, to really even, like, put it together, I guess. So, but well, it, takes um, a few year, it takes a few years to build yeah. a reactor, to be sure. But yeah. once it's on station, because uh, essentially what a nuclear reactor is, is just a big steam engine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm all for alternative energy. I've always been like super pro nuclear power. Uh, if you look at any, um, chart of how, uh, like how all these different, um, uh, types of energy uh, affect human health nuclear power actually by far has the least effect on human health. Um, it has the least amount of, of um, I mean, when it, there is a mistake, obviously it's bad, but, um, but it has the least amount of mistakes that have been, uh, like, if you look at the chart and everything. So it's, it's obviously like one of the best um, solutions. So what's, uh, the, what's the biggest argument that you have for the collection of tax dollars and forcing the United States, which frankly, in, on the world scale, since we can both kind of agree that population has a lot to do with the amount of energy use, right? And China has 1.6 billion people and India has 1.8 billion people, I believe is the, the last numbers that I've seen. So like roughly, we'll say, you know, three, three and a half billion people over there just on that side of the world versus the 300 million that we have here in the United States. So like we could do everything in our power to, to help this problem 
along and collect tax dollars and do all of these things. But at the end of the day, in other countries that are just kind of initially going through their industrial revolution, if you will, uh, and are going to continue building such as they have been, it's going to be really hard to get them to, to, to pump the brakes a little bit and get them to slow down, considering the number of people that they're trying to provide some type of infrastructure for. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think it, it will, we'll have to um, try to incentivize these other countries, right? I mean, they're going, it, when, when climate change accelerates, they are going to be the ones who suffer the most, especially um, uh, countries in the South. Right. So there should I mean, it should matter to them just based on that. Well, what makes you think that they will actually be suffering the most considering they would have the newest built infrastructure? Well, I mean, if if uh, the global temperature goes up and uh, the rate of disease spreading goes up because, yes, we can say that there's a greater population, but. Warmer climates allow for the spread of diseases much more efficiently. Um, so just based on that, there are going to be a lot of people suffering. And uh, since this, these southern um, countries tend to be warmer, they are going to have even more accelerated rates of uh, disease spread. So I don't know if that makes sense. No, I did. I mean, you're, you're right. right. Viruses yeah. and, and disease that can <clears throat> can spread much faster. Well, they are not as easily killed. It's the best way to say it, right? Uh, in warmer temperatures as they are in colder temperatures. Mm-hmm. And and he even heat waves, right? Uh, disproportionately affect children and older people. So um, I, I think it's it would affect people in those countries the most given you know they continue to boom in population so it sounds but at the end of all of it though right humanity will survive it's not like it's going to kill off all the human beings there will be a certain population that do survive and it will be the it's like it, it to me it almost seems like one of those I mean, it would still well, affect people in the West too, right? There are people in the Southern states who probably will be affected by this because we, um, uh, there is some that uh, the rate of West Nile has gone up in the U.S. West Nile virus. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, let me see here. And even um, ticks, right? The amount of ticks that ha- carry Lyme disease have gone up in the U.S. because the temperature has gone up. So as the temperature goes up, um, you find ticks are more widespread, and um, you know more. There's more likelihood of contracting Lyme disease. It's funny you bring up Lyme disease. Do you know how we got that? How? I mean, do you know or? No, I don't. I honestly wasn't aware of it uh, in its entirety myself, but I started doing some research into it, and it seems like it actually came from an island uh, there in New York. Try to remember, try to remember the name of that. I know there's somebody in my chat that knows the name of this specifically, if she's listening. Um, Plum Island. That's right. Mm-hmm. Plum Island. 
is where Lyme disease came from. And if I'm not mistaken, as I was doing my research along that, it was actually human beings that had a part to play in that. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then, like, again, we're back to humanity being humanity's greatest threat. I don't think I disagree with you on that, but it, because humanity does contribute to the rise in temperature. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I agree with you on that one, but I, I, I do think that um, I think of the different things that humanity contributes to that is going to affect us in the future. The, the greatest, it, it's going to be climate change be, just because of the health effects alone you can look at. Right. Mm, I, I think that humanity's interactions with the planets are in and of themselves what they are doing. Right. And they do have a nominal effect on their environment. But I think that with all the arguments that get made for climate change, including the ones that we've had here tonight, um, they end up being a fraction of just the natural cycle of the planet doing what the planet is going to do while we're here. Because, I mean, just like like we're, we're actually in, in an ice age right now. Okay. Right. So since we're in an ice age right now and we're coming out of the ice age, right, that means that at some point there's like a a non ice age. Right. And then it's like an even deeper ice age. So if we understand that there are these cycles in the planet, it's like, I don't know, perhaps maybe it's uh, it's very arrogant of human beings to actually think that they're having the effect that they are. But, but it's, it's quite literally consensus though, right? It's quite literally like scientific consensus that it is humanity contributing to climate change and making it the way it is. Unless you disagree with that. All right. One more time. It it is quite literally scientific consensus that, um, (laughs) that humans are causing global warming and climate change. But the evidence for this being used to say that is simply just the burning of fossil fuels, right? But we've already went over how, like, all of this matter was already here. It's just changed its form from being a solid in the ground or a liquid in the ground to now being a gas in the air, right? I mean, even if with with that argument, right, oh, it was always here and we're just changing it, it's the change that we're doing that is making climate change is contributing to climate change. So you don't think that given enough time that, 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 that matter would have been able to work its way, say way down into the mantle of the earth and then be kicked back up through like say volcanoes. Uh, possibly, but it would have been much more gradual. Right. And then probably, um, I, I don't know if we, if we were working on this, like, a while ago, we probably would have been able to combat it better. What makes you think this needs to be a war? Well, not so much a war, but just like a joint effort to reduce this just based on, I mean, I, what I care about is, is human health. Um, I don't look at, I like what I look at is, is human health and, and viral diseases spreading, um, and so I think, I mean, I don't like the idea of 
all these vulnerable people who are going to be uh, victims of of heat strokes, of um, viruses more easily spreading, of of different um, insect carried diseases spreading, and us not um, doing anything about it, especially since again, 88% of that is going to be affecting people under five, right? Um, I, I just don't, I don't like this idea that, uh, well, it was going to happen. And uh, because just because we're contributing to it doesn't mean we really have to like combat it that hard. And um, I don't know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem right to me. So, so like, what do you think the best way to be able to help the situation would be? Um, well, I, I mean, there are a couple of things, right? Um, there are policies we can do, um, uh, in the U S um, we could, but we already discussed how that's going to be a fraction of what needs to be done on a global scale. Right. Right. We can, we should, we should, I mean, it needs to be a global effort. You're right about that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not disputing that it needs to be a global effort. And I think when, you advocate on uh, on a health basis, right? On a public health basis, and you can and other countries can acknowledge that they are going to be the the primary victims of this. That their most vulnerable populations are going to be primary victims of this. Then they should have an incentive to reduce um, the amount that they are contributing. However, um, uh, you know, it, it does need to start somewhere, right? And it needs to, and we have to acknowledge it as something that's important. We have to acknowledge that these vulnerable populations are, are you know, not of their own fault going to suffer. You know what? My chat gave me a challenge tonight. They asked if I could tie this back to the war on drugs. And you know what? I think we can do that. I think we can do that. <laughs> I, things, I, I was looking at that too. I was looking at that too. I mean, one of the things that uh, has been missing for a while has been say like uh, stable, stable homes for children to be able to grow up in so that they can, you know, receive a quality education. Right. And then we've had governments get involved in education to the point to where like this whole common core curriculum is only like made robots Right. They, you know, people are not leaving high school, being able to think on their own. Right. They, 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 un, they only understand what it is that the governments tell them is good or bad. And they don't bother thinking for themselves as to whether or not something is good or bad. Right. <clears throat> so then, like, because of that, the thing that would help the most would be people understanding more of the planet around them, how gases and liquids and solids you know, how they change states, why they change state, how they change state, uh, the different ways that you can produce energy, right, and have it be, you know, more eco-friendly, uh, how you can be less wasteful. But in reality, a lot of the waste that gets produced is the result of the consumerism, especially here in the United States, and I would argue now China and any other developing nation or developed nation, right, like whenever you go buy, I don't know anything, right? Be it a toothbrush or 
or uh, I mean, any other product, right? There's always a lot of plastics associated. There's always a lot of, you know, waste that ends up filling up your trash bin. Then you, you know, you go and throw it out and it ends up in the landfill. Well, that trash doesn't actually go away, right? Think about every time that you've ever thrown something into the trash can and then took it out to the curb for it to be hauled off. All of that trash still exists. Now think about all the trash that you've produced over the course of your life, right? And that's just one human being, right? That's got to be at least a bag a week, right? So like you think about all that trash, all that material still there, and we're still sitting here producing, 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 right? And people still need products, right? So like in reality, what could happen would be education, perhaps maybe more recycling, uh, more uh, ways to figure out how we can best turn these discarded materials into more useful materials. I mean, that's essentially what led to the creation of, say, like the electric arc furnace, which allowed for uh, better production of steel, right? So they could, you know, recycle more materials and return that back into steel. So Overall, the, the government collecting taxes and then trying to redistribute funds in order to, to create something in the infrastructure that's hopefully going to have, you know, a meaningful impact, you know, such as like these these windmills that they keep putting all over the West, right? That has disrupted the migratory patterns of birds and killed, you know, fucking lots of the birds, right? But like, are we supposed to not give a fuck about the birds, uh, with the whole reason for putting up the windmills was so that we produce electricity in a more cleaner way, but now we're killing the fucking birds, right? So it's like you, 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 you know, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, that you can tie the drug war directly to climate change. Um, there are tons of articles on it. Uh, the U.S. War on Drugs, um, uh, Basically, I believe um, here it is. They um, cocaine traffickers um, uh, often will hide in rainforests, and they will launder their drug money by posing as loggers and ranchers, and they will illegally cut down rainforest. So, I mean, like you know, if you wanted to tie it to that, um, I mean, yeah, the the drug war does have an effect on it. Wait, did you uh, just did you just make the argument that drug runners cutting down trees to LARP as logmen? Yeah. <laughs> they have to hide, right? So cocaine traffickers have to hide and they I guess they choose um, you know, posing as a logger is is one of those things that they do. I mean, um there's uh let's see here, there's there's a ton of articles on, on tying the drug, the war on drugs on, uh, to, um, climate change. So. Well, I, I can't look. Yeah. I think that with regard to the war on drugs, about the only thing that you could definitely say is education, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond, beyond that, I can't see any feasible argument that, that war on drugs would have contributed to climate change. Uh, I mean, there are tons of articles that cite this, that, that cocaine traffickers pose as loggers. 
Yeah, but there's 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 lots of articles out there that say that Bigfoot exists too, right? Yeah, I mean that's true. That's true. You know, so like I always take that stuff with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but like, I'm still I'm not convinced that beyond what is scientific consensus, right? Is and it is that the the climate changes, right? The consensus is not, however at least from anything that I have seen, that the consensus is that human beings are the main contributor to that, right? So so it is. It is, actually. Um, so uh, it is um, 90% of, of climate scientists, not 97%, agree that humans are causing global warming and climate change. And I can give you um, the sources on this. Um, let me see if I can pull those up right now. I'll link them to you. Um, should I put them in the chat here? You could also, oh, if you want to show the audience, you could always use screen share, which is the, uh, the green box in the middle bottom part of the zoom window. People usually get a kick out of seeing the sources. Okay. Um, let me see if I can pull that up here. I mean, uh, NASA even has a thing on it. Are you putting it in the Zoom chat? Yeah, I'm going to put it in the Zoom chat, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's that. Um, um, Oh, here it is. And for a statement on climate change from 18 scientific or, uh, associations, uh, observations throughout the world make it clear that climate change is occurring and rigorous scientific research demonstrates that the greenhouse gases emitted by human activities are the primary driver. And I can share that. Let me, how do I share? Just a window. I'm clicking the link. Yeah, so it's 18 scientific associations that all agree. Um, American Medical Association um, is among those. And it has the list of all the different statements that uh, different um, intergovernmental bodies and government agencies have made as well. Scientists have known, the U.S. National Academy of Sciences says scientists have known for some time from multiple lines of evidence that humans are changing Earth's climate primarily through greenhouse gas emissions. Um, yeah, U.S. Global Change Research Program, Earth's climate is now changing faster than at any point in the history of modern civilization, primarily as a result of human activities. has everything on it um ama so then let me ask you this let me ask you this very like this very simple question right Mm -hmm. which is like i'm sure you're probably aware that not too long ago texas was hit with a freeze right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you explain that the freeze um uh i think um that is supported by climate change is it not 
But I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the specifics behind the freeze in Texas. I would have to look into it more, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, I mean, like for me, that would be an example of, say, like the planet attempting to cool itself. Kind of like how, uh, especially being down here in Florida, right? Like it's obvious if you study you know like the history and pattern of hurricanes right that they seem to be having some type of say increase in like their uh formation and their their power level right so like the planet itself is is doing things to cool itself so like you would argue that well, if the human beings would just slow down their electrical production by burning fossil fuels, then we could slow down the storms, right? Would that be the argument? Um, I think it would have to be a little bit... Uh, I mean, we could slow down, but I think what you were talking about, um, uh, finding alternative and, and building those alternative methods for energy would be good. Um, it would have to be multiple things, though. I, I don't think there's just one solution to this. Yeah, and it's kind of like when I go back and mentioning the whales earlier, right? They do a lot to to help, uh, you know, mix the, the oceans of the world, right? And that ultimately leads to better CO2. Uh, re- What's the right word there? Do you think that um, – I feel like Texas is just one mm-hmm. example, though, right? Texas is just one example. There's a lot of examples yeah. of where the planet has been, you know – getting cooler as a result of some of these things right so then like it seems to me that the the more that ends up happening as far as humans continuing to produce electricity that the planet itself is is self-regulating around us whether we like it or not and if that's the case then we are all sitting here even if you were going to assert that the planet was self-regulating, I don't know that that's a good thing because that's extremes in weather, which again affects human populations and affects human um, <laughs> affects human health. You know, it affects um, uh, young and vulnerable people. Yeah, but then wouldn't that just go back to what I said earlier about the arrogance of human beings? The, the planet was. I mean, the planet, the planet wasn't having a problem self-regulating itself long before humanity was here, right? So I think that the relationship dynamic needs to change between human beings and the planet as a whole to be sure, right? And there needs to be much more appreciation from people and people understanding that the planet was here before them and that the planet will be here after we're gone. So there's best practices through education that can be taught, but beyond that, the planet is going to regulate itself, right? For- I guess I don't understand how how the planet – maybe you can explain it more to me. How does the planet um, regulate itself, like beyond just like this freeze in, in Texas? <clears throat> well, it has a lot to do with the – let's go back to the water currents right with the oceans so like because of the the currents of the oceans it allows for heat from the equator to be brought into the northern the northern hemisphere right in the past there were thicker sheets of ice that were at the north pole right and and went even further down into canada and north north america and we even have mountains carved out as a result of glaciers right so like 
the planet was cooler at one time than what it is now, and the planet was hotter at one time than what it is now. That, to me, speaks of self-regulation of the planet on its own, and it doesn't actually need human beings to be able to do that. Now, human beings may be having a, a contribution as far as increasing the rate in which the planet moves, but to think that there's some way that beyond, say, Thanosing half the population that we're going to have the type of change needed in order to affect what it is that you're wanting to affect because the population only continues to get bigger, right? So it seems like that everything that you've pointed out so far that you're you're not wanting to have happen is going to be the eventuality period given enough time and population increase. I don't know that you can point to the increase in West Nile virus, the increase in the presence of ticks all, you know, not just in one part of the U S but like all over um, the increase in Lyme disease to a growth in human population that is, has been tied to climate change. And I don't know that just because just because the well, I can I can actually do that easily. Okay. Increased human population is going to lead to more trash, which is going to lead to more discarded food, which is going to lead to more rats, right? More mice to to feed on the leftovers, right? And not just rats or mice, right? But any other creatures, pigeons, etc. They end up feeding on the leftovers of human beings, right? So as a result of all that, you're going to see an increase in other animal populations that would be carriers of ticks, right? And then the more that those ticks are able to get around, which they do, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to see an increase then too of Lyme disease because then more carriers of the disease by way of the rat or the pigeon or whatever the case is, uh, they continue to spread and they do so around population densities where there's more food available which is why you typically see a certain kinds of animals around human, you know, densely populated human areas versus not so densely populated areas. Right. But this is, this is, I, I don't know. I feel like this would need to be like supported by because there are organizations that have said that um, climate change is directly affecting the spread of these vector borne diseases um, it says uh, CDC uh, climate is one of the factors that influence the distribution of diseases borne by vectors such as fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, which spread pathogens that cause illness. Um, I mean, I, I would need to see more than just this um, speculation that, well, we make more trash and therefore we have you know, more rats and, and all of that. Well, I would call it something more than just simply speculation. I would call it a logical reasoning of events without being directly involved, right? Which is not speculation at all, right? That's more of like, yeah, I can see how there's more trash and more food for these things to feed off of. And I can see how that's going to lead to an increase. And it's very logical, right? The thing that's not making much sense is like with your statistic, you keep coming back to it, right? But it's not ringing home for me. So maybe you can do that. Which one? Which statistic? The, the one where you keep referencing vector-borne diseases and Lyme disease and, and these, these yeah. things. So, like, so like uh, bring it home for me because I feel like there's something missing. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can pull this up here. Um, so, let's see here. Uh, I had um, a thing, but I have so many tabs open. 
on the increase in um, West Nile virus. And it's supported by the EPA, the CDC, and um, there is this NIH article. Let's see here. Um, this may be a time for me to remind you folks that our guests are linked in the description both Stardust as well as Critically Thinking Veteran are linked in the description both here on YouTube and in the podcast. So we highly encourage you. What are you waiting for? Click on their links. You can hear plenty more from what you've heard tonight. And we'll give Stardust a chance to find that. But I do also want to mention that in just a few minutes, we'll be going to the Q&A. And so, Stardust, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah. Um, so climate change impacts West Nile virus transmission. Um, and I will link that for you. Um, one of the other things that hasn't been mentioned, right, is it's mm -hmm. like the increased rat population. The other thing that ends up happening around more densely populated human areas is the reduction in predators, right? Like uh, possums, foxes, coyotes, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, hawks, you know, like these types of predators that would normally feed on the, I mean, hell, like where I was up in Tallahassee, I used to have a damn squirrel that would drive my dogs absolutely nuts. It would just run right out there in the yard and, you know, hop up on a, on a fucking old stump, mm -hmm. sitting there eating a nut, just driving the dogs crazy, right? And the dogs obviously wanted to go chase the squirrel, so I, you know, let them out and let them go chase the squirrel. Of course, the squirrel gets up the tree and gets away every single time because it's a fucking squirrel, right? But... <laughs> But the reality is, is they're pretty fucking brazen because they don't have any natural predators to get them, right? So, mm -hmm. like, that's how ticks get around, right? They get around because they, they, they'll jump on a, on a squirrel, right? It's, it's running through the woods or, or a, a rat or whatever the case is. That's how these things end up moving around, and these things will move to wherever there's obviously greater sources of food, and there's no greater source of food uh, than more densely populated human areas. So then that's how you're going to see an increase in, in disease and stuff is because those diseases are being brought closer to human beings because of the food source. And then that's how you're going to end up with, you know, the transmission to human beings. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there, that probably is a factor. I'm not denying that that, you know, makes sense that more human beings, more, more food, products are going to attract these things, but there is also a wealth of like a scientific sources again, that are saying that, uh, the change in climate is increasing the rate of, um, West Nile transmission and of Lyme disease transmission. Um, I can, I, I linked one of those in, in the chat there. Um, and I can link it here as well. Uh, another one. Uh, oh, is, no, that's the same one. Sorry. Um, uh, there is a there's a like a market increase over the past 20 years in West Nile transmission. And I think the most recent one I just posted. Yeah. So like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm still sitting at if you really want to have 
like this ultimate change in the climate. One, you're going to have to control population somehow. The more human beings that are created, the more power that is going to be needed to generate electricity for the things that make life a little bit easier on all of us, right? Like having AC electricity to be able to put your food in a refrigerator, for example, right? That makes life Mm -hmm. so much easier because now you can actually keep food fresher longer so that you're not sitting there worried every single day, where's your next meal going to come from? You're like, oh, I got something in the freezer. I don't have to worry about that right now. You know what I mean? Pretty fucking convenient, right? (laughs) You know, and there's a lot of things that through the production of electricity that allows for human beings to not have to worry about the more basic hunter-gatherer instincts. I mean, that's kind of the idea of how human beings became agrarians to begin with and then actually discovered beer, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, one of the greatest inventions in the, or the greatest discoveries of mankind was beer, frankly, right? But that's just me. But beyond I mean, that, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I want to grab me a beer. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I I I get what you're saying about um there's going to have to be a lot done to reduce the acceleration, rapid acceleration of, of climate change. There's going to be um a lot of inconveniences, but I think that just on a global scale, making that our focus would be really good because um, if you are a country or if you're in a country in uh, in like a Southern hemisphere country, it is going to directly affect you the most. Um, there are going to be a lot of people who, who get and die because of this. You think it's only going to affect the Southern hemisphere? No, it'll have, it will it will affect the 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 um, north as well, um, but if you were looking for a way to incentivize it for all the other countries, then yeah. where do the where does the majority of the population on Earth live? Majority of the population, uh, northern or China. southern hemisphere. Well, I guess I guess China is is like not really southern, but it's pretty north of the equator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, India and all these other like countries are still pretty south. So, I mean, if you're looking for a way to to influence them and even the fact that it's going to um, to affect. But since we understand that the majority of the population lives in the northern hemisphere, then it's not necessarily the the appeal to save the southern hemisphere, considering there's a far less density of population in the southern hemisphere which leads me to believe that they would probably be better off with regard to say disease because they're not as densely populated right they'd be better off with regard to like the amount of electricity that their cities well, or- just because just because there's more people in the north doesn't mean that people are not densely populated in the south that that doesn't really follow Right, people are densely populated everywhere. It it follows where they are. Well, it it follows pretty well when, like, if I'm not mistaken, like on the African continent, there's like 1.2 billion people, right, on the entire continent. And we talked earlier about India having a population of 1.8 billion, right, and China having 1.6 billion. Right. So like both those two countries on their own have more population than the entire continent of Africa. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
if I'm not mistaken, the majority of that population is below the Sahara Desert, which is where the majority of it would be in the Southern Hemisphere, because north of the equator, right, or I don't, let me look at a map right quick, because I'm pretty sure that the equator runs either a little bit to the south of the center of the Sahara. I just want to look this up real quick to be sure. I'm just bringing up a Google map right quick to look, that's all. Yeah, let's see. Why doesn't that already have the equator on there as default? What? I type in equator and it takes me to equator trading company. What the hell? <laughs> Google, you're so silly. All right. So, yes. Okay. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, okay, it doesn't. It does, my main so the, point is not really surrounding like a south and north. I only brought that up because you'd you'd brought it up earlier, but if you're looking to incentivize these other countries that are also contributing to climate change, I think it's it's a pretty clear argument that it, the increase in viruses, the increase in health risk, um, even like with air quality, um, uh, there is a, an inc increase in respiratory infections, right? It's it's pretty easy for me to see why we should be incentivized to to be combating this. Well, I mean, then, then, like again, I'm back to how committed are you to this? Because the if the two most densely populated areas are India and China, and they are more than likely going to be the biggest contributors, contributors, right, based off population to this problem, then how do we go about changing the policies in other lands that are not a part of the United States? Give you a chance to respond, uh, Stardust, but. This is the last question we can have before we go into the Q&A. We've got plenty of questions from the audience, but Stardust will give you a chance to respond. Okay. Um, I think it is, okay, you're, yeah, China's the number one contributor is what it looks like. Number two contributor is United States. Number three contributor is, is uh, India as far as COT. Uh, CO2, sorry, uh, emissions go. Um, I think it would be pretty easy to incentivize, again, these countries to um, partake in it. They Because these are countries with populations and a lot of young people in those populations that are going to be affected by this. If you bring public health into it, I think it, it should matter. Though sometimes I think when I look at like what happened with COVID, maybe it doesn't matter to people. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it has to be a, a joint effort. There has to be some um, talks, I guess, internationally. We should be involved in trying to combat this because it's going to be people suffering no matter where they are. So, We will jump into the q and I want to say thanks so much, folks, for your questions. And we're going to jump into them right now. So thanks very much. Barry Barry says, take a shot every time James says juicy and you better. Also, you better click a, check out and click on our guest links. We do appreciate them. They're linked in the description as well as at the podcast. So, NOXD, thanks for your question, says the biggest contributor to climate change is CTV's vape. By the way, your dog's a cutie. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Next one, Code5601 says, question for both. What do we deal with or how do we 
deal with countries that will unquestionable only unquestionably only benefit from climate change and have negligible negatives like Russia. I don't know that there uh, I don't know that there's any country that's just only going to have benefits from climate change. It, spread of diseases is going to affect everybody. You got it in. James Montalbano says, if China makes most of the products used by Americans, shouldn't Americans reduce their consumption, thus reducing the pollution created in China? I think that might be for Um, UCTV. Well, if China doesn't produce the the stuff that's needed, somebody's going to produce it. Because it's still needed, right? That would kind of go back to the uh, the drug war, right? It's like, oh, but if you just stop producing the thing, people won't get it. Well, bullshit. Somebody's going to make what it is people are looking for, and they're still going to get it. So you didn't actually solve the problem. You just moved the problem, right? You got it. And then, thanks, sir. Appreciate your question. Forward Tribe says, global warming that turns places colder parentheses, hence the new name, has been around since the 70s. Since then, we've always been 10 years away from world destruction. Comments, please, from both. I don't think that we were 10. I don't remember that being said, um, uh, that we're 10 years away from destruction. I do know that um, scientists were saying we need to act now or it's going to accelerate really fast. And we are seeing that happening. And it's been accelerating much faster than any of the models that scientists put forward. So, no, oh, and I remember when I was growing up, right? Like that was definitely what was being said. There's been a lot of fear mongering with regard to climate change that has led to millions of dollars collected in taxes in order to fight this this problem. And we're nowhere closer to finding a solution than we were 50 years ago in the 70s, whenever we were trying to start combating this problem. So. I don't know. It sounds like a problem for man bear pig. You got it in. This question from Sahi Luke says, question for both, considering how the Taliban following the teachings of Muhammad took over a whole country in about and and about is about to take that civilization back to the seventh century, is Islam more dangerous than climate change? I would make an argument that Sharia law is definitely more dangerous, especially considering their oppression of women and free thought. Uh, Their entire ideology is based around bringing peoples back to the Stone Age instead of allowing, you know, human beings to be treated as equals as they should be. Right. So that would definitely uh, be one of those humanity against humanity. Yes. So I agree that there is something um, very wrong with the Taliban. And I think that any theocracy is bad for women. Most religions this is going to be a hot take, but most religions put women in a secondary status. And um, and if you're already in a secondary status in a society and you just achieved rights and you've got a group that is taking those rights away. Um, it, yeah, they're very easily taken away. And I do think that it poses a very real threat. I don't know what the solution is to that, but I do think that the uh, effects of climate change are going to affect everybody. And that includes people in those areas. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you got it. And this one coming in from Forward Tribe says, so what do you think of Al Gore's $8.9 million Ocean View Villa and many of the climate change? 
people, climate change people, advocates, mansions by the sea. What do I think about it? I mean, I hope they're being, you know, um, I hope they're, they're like, you, you can make money, I guess, but I hope you're being, you're practicing what you're preaching. So it sounds to me like they're taking advantage of a government insurance program and that uh, whenever storms come through, they're able to collect much more money through insurance by owning that residence than they would have otherwise. And then because of the protections that have been put in place, they're able to to rebuild and then uh, at a cheaper rate and then still be able to collect even more insurance when the next storm comes around. It's like a continuing cycle and it's all guaranteed by the government. So. You know. Oh, so climate change is helping them make money by actually like um, coming through and making their insurance claims like uh, yeah, it's it's, so def- it's wow. definitely so able- yeah, yeah, it's definitely able to pour more tax dollars out of the poorest Americans and give it back to the rich. You're right. Hmm. We'll jump into this next one from Forward Tribe says so. Ninety-seven percent of scientists agree that quote humans are the cancer of the earth unquote. Here is another statistic: one hundred percent of experts who don't agree are excommunicated from the scientific community. Comments from both, please. Uh, 100% of those who don't agree are excommunicated. I guess I would need to see a source on it. Um, and was- if that's the case, if that's the case, I mean, I, for one, am glad that when there is somebody in medicine who is um, spouting something that has been the consensus for decades... I would I, I would be happy if like those people were probably excommunicated from the medical community. So All right, one more time with the question. You bet. It was they said ninety or they said so ninety seven percent of scientists agree that quote humans are the cancer of the earth, unquote. Here is another stat. One hundred percent of experts who don't agree are excommunicated from the scientific community. Sounds like gatekeeping. That is actually it for our questions, folks. We do want to say we appreciate our guests. As always, we want to encourage you to attack the arguments, not the person. And also want to remind you that our guests are linked in the description. We have many more juicy debates coming up, my dear friends. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button for many more juicy ones in the future, including this Friday and Saturday. I'm excited I'll be back. And with that, we will... I should say, I'll let our guests go, and then I will be back in a moment to let you know about upcoming debates. But one last thank you, Stardust and CTV. It has been a true pleasure to have you on. Thank appreciate you, you having me. Yeah, appreciate you having us. 100%. Thank you, guys. And I'll be back in just a moment, folks. So stick around. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.